0: That's awesome. Well, open your Bibles this morning to Matthew chapter 6, Matthew chapter number 6, and we're going to zero in on one particular verse here this morning. You know, for several weeks I've reminded you that uh, being comes before doing, you know that's not something that I just came up with. It's not something I just heard recently. Uh, that's something that I've known and uh, actually taught about and mentioned uh, 40, 50 years ago. I, but but some way or another, sometimes we we lose sight of some of the basic fundamental things in life, and that's as basic as it gets. That being comes before doing. And it's important that we become or that we are in the process of becoming what God wants us to be, so we can do what God wants us to do. Now, that raises a question, what should we be doing? Well, we could make a long list, couldn't we? We just make a big long list of all of the things that Christians ought to do. We ought to read our Bible, ought to, ought to pray, and it goes on and on. But but here in Verse 33, I believe it's all summed up for us better than any place that I know of, where the Lord says, Matthew 6, 33, But seek ye first the kingdom of God and His righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. Uh, I preached from that verse so many times over the years, and yet as I prepared for the message this week, I literally felt overwhelmed at at all that there is packed away in this one verse it's so frustrating as a preacher whenever there's so much that you want to preach and you're limited by your physical problems or time restraint or whatever it is and but there's just so much to be said here and uh, today I want you to think about putting first things first we, you know, what do you put first in your life? Think about it. What do you put first? And we better figure it out because if it's of no eternal value, we're just wasting our lives, right? And, and that's what a lot of people are doing. They're going through life allowing even good things to crowd out the best things that's the worst, best case scenario the worst case is whenever they allow the bad things to crowd out the best things and uh, reminds me of a, a story about a little boy named Bobby He was six years old and his daddy had promised him he's going to take him to McDonald's and so they were off on the trip to McDonald's and the little boy was all smiles and he was so happy about that and uh, and, and en route there was a bad automobile accident and the boy the cars is backed up folks around here we kind of know what that's like don't we and uh so anyway the daddy thought he would you know teach the little boy some spiritual lessons he told him he said bobby said there's been a bad accident up here and then probably people hurt and said we really need to pray and immediately little Bobby just began to pray said please God don't let any of those cars block the entrance to McDonald's (laughs) he might have meant well but his priorities were really wrong and uh, but kids aren't the only ones that make mistakes like that a lot of times we adults do exactly the same thing how many Maybe I shouldn't ask. Well, how many deer hunters, dedicated deer hunters, have we got in here? Uh, Don't lie about it. I know some of you missing every year. Yeah. Okay. (laughs) It reminds me of a story, and and it takes me back years ago whenever I worked for the highway department in Missouri, and, and we had a whole group every year. Boy, all year long, we planned on that. And there would be 15, 20 of us that would go together, and then we'd pair off in twos. And, and if you're smart, you, you pair off just by yourself. But that's what was going on in this deer camp. They decided we would go out in twos, and they did. And so everybody was back in the camp except uh, one one couple. And finally, finally, one of the guys came back staggering under the load of a big old eight-point buck and uh, just as all he could do to carry it, you know, and and somebody said, where's Harry? He said, oh, Harry had a stroke or a heart attack or something way back there. He's laying under a tree. They said, you mean you left Harry laying back there under a tree and you carried this, this big old buck back here? He said, well, I, I didn't figure anybody would steal Harry, you know, so... <laughs> Some of these deer hunters can identify with that because there's some folks that will steal your deer. But this guy had it all wrong. He had lost sight of what was really valuable. And a lot of times we make the same mistake in our life. Even Christians can fall into that trap. We let the good crowd out the best. We even do that when it comes to religious things. Because somewhere or another we get the idea in our mind that if it's religious or if it happens at the church or if it's about Jesus, why then, you know, it can't be wrong. You know, there are folks that are addicted to gospel music. I mean, all of the places that I've pastored before in those states, I mean, it's four-part harmony, it's southern gospel-type music and what have you. And I thought when I moved to Texas, I thought, wow, this is going to be great, this is even further south I don't know if anybody in Houston knows how to sing four-part harmony, but it's totally different than it was there. But uh, uh, music can really get in your blood, and there are people that are dedicated up there. They will attend every music concert, every, every singing that goes on, and hardly ever attend church. Unless somebody's either getting buried or married, one of the two, that's about the only times they show up. And uh, they're dedicated. Look, I love music. I, I've spent, I can't tell you how many hours while i have studying this week, even uh, listening to my two favorite singers, Jack Holcomb and Governor Jimmy Davis. I, I, I've listened to hours of that in, in the background. I, I I love gospel music, but th- there's something more important than. Than just listening to music or singing music whenever we don't do it within the context of the Lord's church. There are other people that love preaching, and uh, boy, they'll go to every revival meeting in the county. They hear a revival meeting going on, they're Johnny on the spot, they're right there. They don't want to miss any preaching. Uh, they love it when they come to church and uh, uh, hear the preacher uh and they're quick to you know commend him i love that message and whatever but they don't make any personal application there are those that love to study the bible now that's a good thing right i mean we ought to study the bible everybody should they love to study the deep things of the word of god as they would put it i mean i had a man tell me one time he said bill stone he said uh, he said i'm really deep in the scriptures and I, I, I knew something was coming up next because I'm really deep in the, in the Scriptures, but God never, never called me to teach uh, other people or anything. And I thought to myself, evidently God's not even, even spoke to you about coming up here to help us on work day. You, he never showed up for anything, never did anything, but claimed to be deep in the Scriptures Now look, it's one thing to study the Word of God. It's one thing to preach the Word of God. It's one thing to sing about the glories of the Lord. All of that is well and good. And that list goes on and on and on. But it's tragic whenever we do not focus on the main thing. Most of our failures are caused by not focusing on the main thing. And it's amazing to me that people have such a hard time trying to figure out, well, what is really the most important thing in life? Well, I just read that to you. Jesus made it perfectly clear, Seek ye first the kingdom of God and His righteousness, and all of these other things will be added unto you. An old preacher many years ago, Oswald Chambers, made this statement. He said of this verse, These words of Jesus are the most revolutionary statement human ears ever listened to. Think about that. That, That's a strong statement. But the more you look at this verse, and the more you consider what it says and who said it, you can't hardly deny that. The most revolutionary statement human ears ever listened to. And... And if we will listen to what the Lord is saying, we can make the rest of our life the best of our life if we will apply that. One of my favorite writers, James Hastings, an old writer been dead probably a hundred years, he said, every man who would make life a success must have something that is always first for him. Now, Jesus declared that the great first thing in life is the kingdom of God and His righteousness. Now, do you believe that? That's what Jesus said, but do you believe it? That, that's the key. There's no doubt about what Jesus said. Jesus has declared it. Jesus has described it, and Jesus demonstrated it. Remember, at the age of 12, he said, I must be about my father's business. And throughout his lifetime, he went about the business Of the Father, and that is in regards to the kingdom of God. He came preaching the kingdom of God. John the Baptist came preaching the kingdom of God. And this text is not a suggestion, it's not a request, it is a command. This is without doubt what every one of us ought to do seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness. And it's coming from the highest authority in all of the universe. So it's our duty to do what He desires, what He demands. And uh, whenever we receive that information, and you can't miss it, right there it is, what we need is the implementation of it. We need to put it into practice. Somebody said life is like a dollar bill. You can spend it any way you want, but you can only spend it once. And that's right. And that's why I love Psalms 90 and verse number 12 where he says, teach us to number our days that we might apply our hearts unto wisdom. We need to think about that because all of us are dying. Some of y'all look like maybe you already did. I don't know, but you don't look very, very alert this morning. But we're all dying. We're all headed that way. And we can resist it all we want to, but that's where we're headed. That's what's going to happen. And, uh, and we need to apply our heart to wisdom that we don't waste our life. So in light of all of that, the question is, what are you seeking? Because everybody's looking for something, right? Everybody is. And I know what it is. They they might not know what it is, but there's a sense in which they do. They might call it by different names, you know. They want this or they want that. But when you boil it all down, what they really want is satisfaction. That's what everybody's looking for. I want to be satisfied. I, I want to be, that'd make me happy if I can be satisfied in life. And, of course, they look different ways in order to find satisfaction. And the amazing thing is, unknown to them... That's what God wants for them. God wants you to be satisfied. God wants you to be happy. But God wants you to find your happiness in Him because He knows you can't find it anywhere else. He is the sole source of satisfaction. you remember Solomon had such a difficult time. I mean, boy, he tried everything under the sun. And he tells us about that experiment. And it was all said and done He said, it's all soap bubble world. It's vanity, he said. I mean, there's nothing to it. There's no satisfaction to be found apart from God. And yet most people are spending their lifetime looking without finding. That's what the prodigal son did. And by the way, the story of the prodigal son is simply simply a story about lost humanity. It's a story of all of us without Christ the fact that mankind has departed from a loving God departed from his creator his protector the one who provides for him and we have decided that we no longer need God we want to launch out on our own and of course the prodigal son did just that said give me what's coming to me and off he went he wasted it all in riotous living and ended up in the pig pen of life how sad it is that people never see their need of God so let's talk about first things first look again at our verse and I want you to consider the context by the way all of the verses that come before and when we do we see that this is a picturesque context By that, I simply mean that there's something delightful found about this because in talking about satisfaction, and look in verse number 19 here, he's speaking about finances. In verse 25, he speaks about food, and he speaks about fashion. In verse 34, he speaks about the future. In other words, he is addressing the most common concerns of man and, and notice that these things basically have to do with our physical needs and our physical desires. So, in light of all of this, the Lord points out what is most important. So, in light of all of these things, somebody, somebody you know, thinking to themselves, boy, if I don't, if I don't eat soon, you know, I'm going to die. And I don't think anybody here ever been anywhere near death because of starvation. We've all probably eaten more than we should or more than we need. And, uh, but the fact of the matter is there are times that people value fashion or food or whatever more than they value the things of God. They just think if they can get satisfied in those areas. So the Lord knows what people are looking for. And so he is dealing with that in this context. Uh, they're worried. They're concerned. Jesus said, you know, unless you forsake all and follow me, you can't be my disciple. And they're thinking, man, how am I going to survive? Birds of the air have nests, the foxes have holes in the ground, but the Son of Man hath not where to lay his head. You see, they're thinking about all of this stuff. And, and, and they're thinking back to their past when these are the things that were the most treasured things in life. And so in light of all of that he gives them this picturesque context and then notice the first word of our text because this is a pertinent contrast. Notice the word but and that is setting this in contrast to the gentiles if you look at the verses just before he makes reference to the gentiles he says these are the things that the gentiles are interested in this is what they're concerned about they're concerned about physical things material things and temporal things but i want you to understand what is really important because the gentiles have got it all wrong and so this morning i hope you're not among those gentiles among those who feel like that there are more important things than just uh, just serving the lord now look at verse number 33 again he says but and here is a plea for commitment seek ye first now whatever he goes on to say here this makes it clear that it is of great importance don't you agree Remember, Christ is the one speaking. He is the highest authority in the universe. But keep in mind that He's speaking out of love. How many times, you know, we parents have said to our kids, you know, if i told you once, I've told you a thousand times, you know, and you better do this or, or you're going to regret it. And boy, we we read them the riot act. We want to emphasize that we're the power and authority. And sometimes we're We're not so loving in our demands to our children. I look back over the years, and there have been uh, a couple of times, well, a hundred, but who's is counting, that I've had to apologize for my kids and my tone of voice, or uh, in a couple of cases, something far worse than that. But understand when the Lord says, Seek ye first the kingdom of God and His righteousness, This is all out of love. It's out of the depths of His love and His great wisdom that He says this. And that word, seek, there means to aim at. It means to strive after. It means to desire. Have a single-minded focus on whatever it is you're doing. It implies that we have a passion, that we have a zeal to achieve whatever it is that we desire. Now, remember... He's not speaking to a, a group of lost people here. He's not telling them to seek you know, the kingdom of God and His righteousness as though that they're lost and this is what they need to do. He is addressing His disciples. He ad- is addressing those that are already saved. So He's not talking about what we would call the imputed righteousness that happens whenever we trust Christ as our Savior and God imputes His righteousness to us And that way we become acceptable to God. That's not what he's talking about here. When he talks about righteousness, he's talking about that which is right, that which is holy, that which is proper. And we need to ask ourselves what we are seeking. Notice the preeminent command that he gives. Seek ye first. Now there's two things. Seek ye first the kingdom of God. So number one, we've got to get our... Our priorities straight right we have to set proper priorities and that's what that's the kingdom of god because everything else rises or falls here if we go wrong here we're going to be wrong absolutely everywhere that phrase the kingdom of god it speaks about god's sovereignty it speaks about god's rule god's power god's authority god's dominion It speaks about us putting our lives, as it were, under His authority, surrendering ourselves, obeying the will of God. It's the attitude that David Livingston had whenever he said, I will place no value on anything I have or may possess except in relation to the kingdom of Christ. That's exactly what our Lord is telling us to do that above and beyond first and foremost more than anything else we are to be seeking the kingdom of God that we are to be living our life under his authority And Livingston got it right but sadly most people don't because they don't seem to understand the fact that we don't have the right to do as we please somewhere or another we get it in our mind that you know that i am my own person nobody has a right to tell me what to do well the fact of the matter is you don't really belong to yourself if you're a christian you've been redeemed by the blood of the lord jesus christ you're not your own the bible says you were bought with a price and because of that we ought to seek the kingdom of god which means that we ought to seek god's government as in our life he's the king right he sets the rules. He makes the rules. You remember that Jesus said over in the book of Luke, He said, why do you call me Lord, Lord, and do not the things that I say? If we're really seeking first the kingdom of God, we're going to do the will of God. So we look to Him for the government of our life, for guidance in our life, and certainly for the, for the glory of our King. Back in the old days, you know, it was all about the king. Somewhere or another the TV was on the sci-fi channel the other day and it was talking about Ramses II and all of the stuff that he built and everything he did and the glory that he tried to heap upon himself. And but That was the most important thing. It consumed the minds of those ancient kings And and you better believe that unless proper respect was paid to them, boy, you paid a price. And our whole purpose on earth, folks, is to glorify God Himself. That's our purpose. Our purpose is not for us to be happy but to be holy because it's only through the holiness of life that we're able to reflect the work that God's done in our life that would bring glory to Him so we have to set the proper priority, but notice then we have to seek personal purity. Seek first the kingdom of God, and notice His righteousness. This this is what is right. This has to do with living in accordance to what God requires. That is, submitting to His will. Some folks think Christianity is nothing more than a creed. That is, it's just uh, you know a list of the doctrines that we believe, and that you know, we can quote scriptures. We have all of these verses to base our foundational beliefs upon, and we think, you know, that we get that nailed down, that everything is all right. We, we believe all of the right things. And we Baptists are really sticklers for that. And by the way, I think we, I think we ought to be. We ought to be right, don't you? Uh, we ought to be scriptural, and being scriptural makes us right. You know, oftentimes somebody would want to know what kind of Baptist we are, and uh, you know, I tell them we're unaffiliate, unaffiliated, independent, premillennial Baptist, and I could go on and on and on, and I remember a church, I think it was in Tennessee or Kentucky, and they had all of that stuff out there on the sign, you know, the name of the church, and then it had, you know, we are independent, we are unaffiliated, on and on and on it goes. And I thought, who in the world is going to stop and read all of that stuff? And if they do, they still won't have a clue what in the world all that even means. But you'll be amazed how many people think, you know, as long as I I get the basic beliefs down, everything's all right. It's all about your creed. But with God, it's about more than that. It involves your character. What about your character? What about who you really are? That's why he says, seek the kingdom of God, notice, and his righteousness. And that we need to ask ourselves that question this morning. Are we seeking God's kingdom? Are we putting ourselves, as it were, under his authority? Are we doing his will? You know, somebody, just about everybody, I guess, would say, well, yes. Yeah, that's what. that's what I... It's what I'm doing. Oh, I realize I'm not perfect, but I'm really trying to do that. It behooves us to ask, how how do you define righteousness then? And I say that because sometimes it does us good to look at what we believe in contrast to how we behave. Think about the songs that we sing. Compare your lifestyle to the songs that you sing. We, We sing trust and obey but sometimes we don't do either one we sing sweet hour of prayer but we hardly ever pray we pray you know or say all the way my savior leads me and then we turn around and we do as we please say well i love to tell the story but then we don't we just sing about it we don't do it take time to be holy but then we don't even show up for church we sing, have thine own way, Lord, but we're not about to leave our comfort zone. We don't mind God having His way here within the four walls of this building while we're here, but when we walk out that door, boy, we're going to do as we please. You see, so many times there is evidence of the fact that we're not really seeking the kingdom of God and His righteousness. And it's right there before us if we just look at the songs that we sing and think about our manner of life. And yet it's God's desire that we be transformed until we are conformed into the image of His own dear Son. That will never happen completely as long as we're here upon this earth. But there should never be a moment that we're not moving in that direction. So notice, he points out here exactly what is required of us to do the will of God. But notice, he says here in in the very next words, And all of these things shall be added unto you. All of these things shall be added unto you. So what things is he talking about? Go back to verse 19, read all the way down through verse number 32, and he tells you what he's talking about. He's talking about those, those things that people worry about, whether they're going to have something to eat or not, the clothes that they wear, and all of the things of life that we are so concerned about. He says, look, if you'll seek the kingdom of God first in His righteousness, all of these things will be added unto you. That's why I often say a child of God and the will of God will always have the provisions of God. So many times we we think it's all up to us to make it in this world. We've got to do this and we've got to do that. It all depends upon us. Boy, if we just get this one verse here nailed down really good. And realize that our main job, our goal in life is to seek first God's kingdom and His righteousness. Amen. Back when I got out of the hospital and I said that God had laid some things on my heart and each week I don't know exactly what I'm going to preach but I know what direction that it's going. And we've spent so much time talking about this matter of of being before doing and what God wants us to be, that we are to be growing in the grace and the knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ. Last week I talked about training for reigning because we need to understand, and when we understand what the Bible teaches about that, it gives us the strength and encouragement to get through the tough times here on earth because it's not all about what happens here on earth, that God's plan for your life is way out there in eternity and everything that we're going through all of the experiences that we go through all of those things in some way relate to what God is going to do in our life after life on earth is over I felt we need a message like that we need that to get us through the tough times of life but then we come to this what are we going to do what are we going to do it always comes to that eventually we have all of this information all of this knowledge we know what God wants us to do but are we going to do it that's what it boils down to and I think without a doubt that the Lord was wanting to give these people a a word of encouragement and so he Notice in verse 34, he gives them this picture of contentment. Take therefore no thought for the morrow, for the morrow shall take thought for the things of itself, sufficient unto the day is the evil thereof. It's another way of saying, don't, don't worry about anything. I've got this, I've got it under control. But the condition is what? The condition is that you seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. If you do that, There's no need for you to fret about tomorrow because I've got this. It's all under control. Years ago, I preached a sermon entitled, The Best Place to Live. And it was based on verse 33. And uh, a lot of people got a lot of opinions about the best place to live, you know. Boy, it's something that wouldn't move out of Texas for anything. You know, that's the best place to live. Well, the best place to live is right here in this verse. Notice where he says, seek ye first the kingdom of God. And as a child of God, we're spiritually in the kingdom of God, but it's one thing for us to be in the kingdom of God, and another thing for us to be submissive to His authority and in pursuit of doing what is right, doing His will for our life, living under His authority. So when we, listen, when we do what God commands... We can live with that perfect peace, as Paul said, that passeth all understanding. You know, there's some folks out there, when they see what we're going through and see great difficulties in our life and see how that we handled it, that sometimes they, they, they come to the conclusion that, we number one, we, we either don't really care Or number two, we're just not all there. We're not playing with the full deck. Something's really wrong. How could you be that calm whenever something so horrible and so terrible has happened to you? Well, the only way that we can is by doing what the Bible says, and He gives us that peace. It's a gift from God. It's a gift from God to those who seek first His kingdom and His righteousness That brings us down to the application, which is a a personal challenge. Oh, there's so much more that could be said and needs to be said, but I, I, I want you to understand this relates to absolutely everything we do because until we commit ourselves to a life like this, we will never be able to fulfill God's will for our life. Nor will we ever find the satisfaction we're looking for in life. Our life will be empty. There will be something that is missing. Maybe, you know, we can't put our finger on it. But all of the time, the thing that is missing here is that we have decided to live according to our own imagination, our own thoughts, our own ideas, rather than submitting ourselves to the Lord. Let me make this real easy for you. We decide what is right by discovering who is first. We discover what is first by discovering who is first. That's why I love what Paul said. He said, I know whom I have believed. And every time I think of that verse, I can't help but make the same comment that you've heard over and over and over again and Paul could have given a long list of the doctrinal things that he believed, but he he didn't do that. He said, I know whom I believe, because when you know who you believe, and when you believe, when you believe Christ and what he says, that settles all of the other issues right there. So I ask you again, what what are you seeking in life? Can you honestly say I am putting first things first in my life? Or maybe you've let something crowd in and bump you out of the way. Oh, it's not a not necessarily a bad thing, and you know, it's not something that is horrible or terrible or anything like that. But it's something that just some way got in your way and has hindered you from doing God's will. Let me tell you, that is a costly proposition whenever we, especially whenever we look at the Bible here and we see and we know what God expects, and then we refuse to do it, we put ourselves in great danger. Back in 1972, December the 29th, Eastern Airline Flight 401 was traveling from New York to Miami. And uh, as they were getting ready to land, the pilot noticed that the, the light indicator showing that the, land, the nose landing gear was down wasn't working. So he and the co-pilot had replaced the bulb and they got to messing with it and just kept on and on and on trying to get it to function and, and nothing, nothing seemed to work until finally... All of a sudden, without realizing it, they crashed in, in the Everglades, and 101 people lost their lives in that crash. This is the official report. I want to read it word for word, it's brief. And it says preoccupation with a malfunction of the nose landing gear position indicating system distracted the crew's attention from the instruments and allowed the descent to go unnoticed the point is so many times even without us noticing it it happens that's why I when I talk about backsliding I I always refer to the fact that it's you know it's not not a blowout like we think of it's a slow leak so many times we see somebody in church, somebody we love dearly, and boy, they've been faithful. And all of a sudden, they're gone, they're out of here, and you begin hearing the reports they're out there in the world doing all kinds of terrible things that, that are contrary to what they claim that they believe, and, and we think, boy, I just can't imagine what happened to them. It, it was just so sudden. They just, oh, no, no, it wasn't sudden at all. It's something that had been progressing over time. And slowly but surely, they began to neglect the most important things in life. And and let me tell you, that is exactly where any of us, any child of God, we're headed for a disaster when we make other things more important than seeking the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And let me me say this, I want you to remember what I'm saying now, because when we talk about the things that we're to do, how we're supposed to live our life, we're going to get down to some really nitty-gritty stuff that the Lord commands and says, look, this is exactly what I expect. And when we get there, I want you to remember what I'm saying now. When you set aside, you've been preoccupied with something else, maybe it wasn't anything sinful that makes it easy to justify right there's nothing wrong with me doing that well no not anything wrong with you doing that except for the fact that you're doing that instead of seeking first the kingdom of god and his righteousness you've got your priorities all out of whack and whenever we do that and we refuse to yield ourselves to god's commands We're headed for disaster in our life of one kind or another. And I don't don't want to end up there. I don't want you to end up there. The best thing that we can do is to determine with all of our heart that by the grace of God and with the help of the Holy Spirit that we're going to seek first ahead of everything else the kingdom of God, His rule over us, and his righteousness that we might live as jesus lived doing that which is pleasing to the father if you're here today and you've never received christ as your savior and and whether you would admit it or not there's something missing in your life i've been there done that i before i was saved i didn't know what it was I tried this, and I did whatever I wanted to do. I had that attitude, nobody was going to tell me what to do, and they didn't. I did what I wanted to do, and and later I came to regret it. I couldn't have been more stupid, more foolish than to decide that I'm going to do what I want to do, and that'll make me happy, but it never did. I'll never forget, there was living in a mobile home at that time, and looking in the mirror after a a night of drunkenness and with a hangover and looking in that mirror and thinking to myself, I I see that as clearly as though it happened yesterday. And asking myself the question that surely isn't there something more to life than this? And let me tell you, that just shortly after that was the turning point when I got down to the place that I knew My life was out of control. I knew this is not what life is supposed to be about. And before you know it, it was a matter of, I don't know, weeks or something. And I was sitting in a Baptist church. And it was just a matter of a few more weeks that I trusted Christ as my Savior. And for the first time in my life, I knew what real satisfaction was. And there's never been a day in my life since then that I haven't been satisfied with Jesus. He said, if you eat of this bread, you'll never hunger again. You drink of this water, you'll never thirst again. And my dear friend, that's what I want for you. That's what God wants for you. By receiving Christ as your Savior, you can find the one thing above everything that'll give your life meaning and give you hope. For all of eternity. Will you receive him this morning? You say, Well, preacher, I would, but it, if it wasn't for all those hypocrites in the church, you forget about them. You think about your need this morning and what God wants for you. Let's pray. Father, speak to our hearts this morning. Lord, help us to not to not simply listen to those words of Jesus about seeking your kingdom and righteousness and, and then to just walk out and dismiss it as though we're doing a really, really good job at it. God, help us to be brutally honest about our spiritual condition. May the Holy Spirit move up and down these aisles and into our hearts and convict us of our sinfulness. Help us, Lord, to see ourselves even as you see us even if you have to break us before you can mold us and make us. Dear God, help us to be like the clay in the hand of the potter that you might fashion us into a vessel that's fit for the Master's use. We pray that you'll save that soul that's nearest hell today. Lord, sweep aside all of their excuses, tear down all of the roadblocks and the barricades, and give them victory today that they might leave here knowing that they're a child of God for we ask it in Jesus name now as we stand together and lift our voice in song what is it God would have you to do this morning will you will you obey will you say yes Lord whatever I'm putting you first in all things